0: We all have our favourite bands, right? The ones that just shouldn't be touched, that shouldn't be messed with. The ones who the bands themselves should just pack it in when they get past their best. For many people, Merciful Fate fall into that category. It goes absolutely without saying how classic and important albums like Don't Break the Oath are. So you mess with that at your peril. But the band's two guitarists, Hank Sherman and Michael Denner, have recently started playing again and they're laying down some absolutely incredible tracks. Last year, I wrote about their EP, Satan's Tomb. I said it had energy, vivacity, heaviness. I loved it. And I'm glad to say they've now got a full album out carrying on the lineage from Merciful Fate. I think the album actually tops the EP. Have a listen to this. But there's a problem for some people and basically it's that their singer Sean Peck who's incredibly talented he just isn't King Diamond as if anyone could be so I thought I'd call him up and let him give his side of what it's like to be stepping into the shoes of a real metal icon there's a bit more to it than that in this podcast I also asked him about how he pulls off those awesome falsetto vocals hopefully to give all you metal vocalists out there a bit of a helping hand for Kicking out those pretty incredible screams. You are listening to the Metal Insight Podcast, episode 27, produced and reported by com.
1: The shoes that we're filling here, I mean, not just me as the singer, but I mean, you know, Hank Sherman and Michael Denner, and you look at the cover, and you look at the title, and you look at the song titles, and uh, the the expectations for them putting out anything is always going to be measured by, you know, Melissa and Don't Break the Oath. So the response was was fantastic. And Hank and I just kept writing. Um, We just kept, you know, once the EP was done, we just kept going, moving forward with, uh, you know, songs like Masters of Evil and The Wolf Feeds at Night and which was not—that's nice. why we were able to put out the the full length in such a short period of time. You know, when the follow up of the EP, and the whole time we're putting these songs together. I mean, I'm just coming at it from a fan perspective. I mean, that's why I got into heavy metal in the start. You know, before I even became a singer, was I was just loved the way that heavy metal made me feel, just like all of us. And you know, me being just a humongous King Diamond, Merciful Fate fan. Every move that I make when crafting these songs with Hank is all just based on the perspective. Like, what would I, what would a merciful fate fan want to see, want to <laughs> hear, want to read, want to you know have song titles about? And so, you know, using that as my barometer, and I've always used that with my other bands, Cage and Death Dealer, just like what is a as a metal fan is going to just make me rock. And um, using that as my guide, I mean, you know, it served as well. Staying on track um, to deliver the entire package from the visuals to the to the lyrics to the songs.
0: I mean, it really uh, it really is it it really is the entire package, as you say. And yep, you're right. Whenever you put yourself out there with artwork like that, um, you know, with titles like that, with the style like this, and with those guys, you know, you, you're really standing on the shoulders of well, they're standing on their own greatest work, you know. And, and I can imagine that's uh, that's challenging. But I mean, stuff like stuff like son of satan just the pure energy the pure energy in it is absolutely incredible i mean you you guys are you know what pushing you know 50 each we're
1: old we're old jesus how
0: do you get that kind of energy into these tracks
1: (laughs) i don't know you know that's that's the beat i always you know whenever i do an interview i always talk about the good thing about metal is the older and uglier you get you know the more street credibility and and the better you seem to be so that's one good thing that I'm not, that we're not in pop music, but um, it's, you know, the, the, and even with, you know, I'm, I'm working on the new Cage record right now, it's just everything keeps going faster and more intense the older I get, so um, I don't know, I mean, it's just uh, some people slow down, I seem to be going faster, and, and Hank and I, you know, really gel as, as an incredible writing team, and, um, you know, when we go in, you know, to the whole, lyrics and style of it um they never came to me and said we want you to you know write songs about this we want you they didn't he didn't even tell me what the lyrics should be about but i just said you know merciful Fate fans aren't going to want to hear me write a bunch of love songs or a bunch of songs about how depressing it is when it's raining outside so i love telling scary stories as it is i mean the last cage record is almost a two-hour you know um concept horror concept album, so I mean I came right out of that into this and um, it's it's the perfect, the perfect, um, uh, what do you call it, like venue for, for me.
0: One thing that I'm curious about, as you say, uh, you know, as time goes on, you seem to get more intense and faster. But the thing that struck me about this is you also get higher with your vocal. And what usually happens when people get older is that maybe they can't reach those high notes quite so well. And I think back to, I've seen Priest now a couple of times, and Rob Halford's still very good. He still goes for most of the high notes. But he, you know, he's he's cramped up, he's he's crutched over, and he has to give it absolutely everything just to give up, to get up to those notes. How have you kept your ability to get that high?
1: Um, there's yeah, I'm going through a whole kind of metamorphosis right now in my in my singing. I've I've adopted like a new technique for what I call you know the high head voice stuff, and then the super screaming stuff, which is like a mixed voice on, you know, when I'm doing that, you know, son of sins that thing, um, that I've kind of, I've always had it, but man, that's like better than ever right now. I mean, I am just that, that, that cool freaking mixed super shriek whale. I got that going so good right now. And uh, it's, it's definitely, you know, a more powerful component to my arsenal. I mean, I can like hold that thing out. I can go like super high, but it's, we just did a, a tour with cage with the metal allegiance and the sound man was telling me that he was like, you just hit 2,500 Hertz on that wine. It's like, <laughs> I've never heard anybody do that. So it's pretty cool. I can do the super, super low, uh, voice. And then I've got, you know, you know, I gotta have one of the highest notes going right now because I, I just love seeing it in people's eyes when I just hit the super, you know, super shriek that only sea mammals and dogs can hear. Yeah, it's incredible. People's eyes and the audience always like light up. Yeah, people's it's like, a, it's what? amazing
0: because you know, like one, one thinks toward just you know, pop music for a minute, and you think there were so few. There was Kate Bush, there was Donna Summer, and there was Mariah Carey. There was very few of them could hit that high C, but it seems that you can just. Crack it out, and I wonder, you know, for, for singers, for metal singers that might be listening to this, what is the technique? How, how is it done?
1: Um, you know, I've been asked to, you know, for lessons, and hey, can you teach me this? So I'm learning. I'm still learning more right now. Um, you know, I used to just rely on raw talent and never really studied the technique. But now, as I'm getting older, I'm studying more technique and really learning the technical aspects of what singing is all about. So, um, there's definitely, you know, some throat, um, distortion that goes on. Um, we're doing, you know, in, in like, I keep going back to cage only because, you know, we, I'm, they're all here in San Diego and I practice with them like three times a week. So that keeps my, my chops up, but, I mean, there, I, I can just some hold that thing out, like, literally, like, a minute and a half, just keep, there's some intros that we do where, you know, I just start it out, and it just keeps going and going, and, and uh, it's, I always wanted to be a superhero, so it's like having a superpower, and um, <laughs> um, to describe, you know, to describe how to do it, I don't know that I would do it justice, but it's. It's definitely distortion. It's definitely controlled. It's not a full open throat technique. There's a there's a little contortion in, in the glottis going on. I see. Now uh, we're but getting it's into also it. how you how you compress that air going across the vocal folds.
0: Indeed, and I guess uh, you know people that are trying to sing. You know, when you think of seeing Bruce Dickinson sing, it's almost as if you can see the wave in the air in front of his face. You know. How important important is vibrato to you? And again, I guess people listening will want to know, oh God, where do I start? How do I do that? You know, is it the front of your mouth that you do it with or is it the back of your throat? How how do you get that kind of vibrato?
1: That to me is kind of, you know, most of my vibrato is a fully open throat um, technique. So that's like, you know, I place the note resonating kind of at the the top of um, my mouth, top of my mouth kind of. vibrato helps keep the note together for me I've had to you know holding one straight "Ah," straight note is definitely tougher for me than you know a vibrato going on so for me it's it's I've always you know I grew up just kind of copying Dickinson and Halford and early Jeff Tate and then eventually developed my own style but the strong vibrato has always you know been kind of my go-to Go to thing, and now sometimes I just hold a straight note just because it's different than what I always do. And I'm always trying new voices. I mean, if you hear the beginning of Son of Satan, all those, the church choir thing, I mean, Mm. I did all those voices. I did the female opera, the male opera, I I put that whole thing together. And when I sent it to Hank, I was like, Oh, God, I hope he likes this. And he hit me back and he was all jazzed about it. So, um, yeah, that's that's an
0: interesting, that's a really interesting, uh, moment in, in the album, actually, because the timing of those chances is kind of deliberately off and it kind of throws you a little bit, doesn't it?
1: That's a Hank thing. He kind of, you know, I, I gave it like the general location and Hank kind of, uh, you know, that's part of his magic, man. I mean, i he's the, one of the only people I've, I've worked with where he like will definitely dissect what I send and, give you something completely surprising, like, oh, whoa, I didn't know. I mean, literally, we could release, you know, six or seven versions of this record. I mean, there's like, there's a ton of vocals that got left off, um, that were changed, that were moved, you know, the key changes, the riffs all the time.
0: Take The Wolf Feeds at Night for a minute. Um, there's a bit in it that I could have swore was very Ozzy Osbourne-style vocal by Black Sabbath-style vocal. Do you know the bit I mean?
1: Well, of course.
0: So the tell me about that. It's famous
1: part of the record.
0: <laughs> so tell, tell me about that.
1: Well, I mean, um, you know, when I started singing, my whole thing was, like, I was kind of like the class clown in school. So I, before I was even a singer, I was just like always making jokes, always disrupting class, always doing voice impersonations and stuff. And so when I started singing, you know, I started in a cover band and then you're kind of trying to, you know, so when I first even got into singing, the first thing I did, it was try and sound like other people, uh, just cause you're in a cover band singing. Oh, I mean, Beatles and all kinds of crazy college party stuff. And, um, when we, you know, the first time I met Hank and Michael in person was at the Titans of metal festival in Tel Aviv, Israel. Um, where we played three songs. We played Evil, Come to the Sabbath, and then Paranoid. And that's, that whole story is funny because their flight got delayed, and literally they got there 30 minutes before you know the show started. So we had like one unplugged run-through around a coffee table you know, with the drummer kind of patting out the beat on his hands rehearsal um, before we went in front of a thousand people and performed. So that was like full trial by fire, which is a cool way to, to set the beat, I was like, hey, I've never met you guys before, we're in a band, are you ready to play? Like, boom. And the place went nuts, I mean, you can see it on the YouTube, it, it was incredible, but the point of it is, is that, you know, that we did Paranoid, and I kind of did my Ozzy impersonation, when we sang Paranoid, and he just kind of as a goof, and then, for some reason, when Hank sent that part over to me, I just like that's what came to my head and I recorded that and then in the middle part it'd be that and I'm trying to channel kind of 70s Halford with that that the inflections of my voice but uh, when I said it to Hank he was like man this is really cool but I don't know man people might might have a negative reaction to it (laughs) so it it, it was touch and go for it like literally to the very end whether I re-sang that whole part like in a normal voice uh, but I, I just kept playing it over and over because it was just to me it was so enjoyable. Oh, it's just really and, good uh, fun. Finally, they they took the they took the decision to like okay, we're going to keep it in, and it's been rece- It's been greatly received. I mean, it's like in literally in every review, people are like, "Oh, it even sounds like Ozzy this yeah. part." And for me, it's great because I get to show that I can you know not just another side of the voice, Indeed. which is always my goal to to keep different you know different voices and different. Um, attacks on each song to keep it fresh.
0: It's funny that I remember the time uh, Priest's, uh, um, what was it called? Jugulator? What was it called? Um, what was that album? Was it Jugulator? Uh, the first album yeah. with Tim Ripper Owens came out. And um, I remember the time there was so much. Chat about who Priest would get to sing, you know, much like whenever Blaze joined Maiden and stuff like that. But with a voice like yours, I can only imagine that you have had a few interesting phone calls in your time. Let us in on it. Who who has maybe come your way over the years? Because you must have been courted for your vocals.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've never really disclosed a full list. I would say there's probably ten pretty well-known bands, and it was either like, okay, you can be in the singer, but you have to move here. Or you have to quit your other bands. Or the the latest one was was Riot. Um, mm. You know, I was I rec- I recorded you know a demo track. I, I was a huge Riot fan, and they hit me up. You know about maybe being the singer, and um, you know for one reason or another, it got you know it just it was. I like to. I'm really when I get sink my teeth into something. man, That's why I like working with Hank. I mean, like every day we're we're skyping, you know, making stuff happen. So I like the a, a high uh, high work a high workload, you know, in, intense, and that got a little slow, and so I ended up really not, you know, pursuing the riot thing. And um, I'm friends with with everybody in riot. We just played with them, and they, uh, the singer they got is like perfect for it. way better than I was for riot. And you know, I did I did a brief stint with Warrior. I did two shows with Warrior. Um which was really fun and we were gonna do a record because uh, I started enjoying that, but they kind of got sidetracked. But everything, what I like about what I'm doing now is I'm in free, completely original band where I'm not replacing anybody. I've got Dealer Page and Dennis Sherman. You no, know, you know, Dennis Sherman will always be forever tied to King Diamond. I'm not necessarily replacing King Diamond. This is a completely different band, and you know, no one could replace King Diamond. He's, he's one of a kind.
0: Have you Have you ever had any messages of uh, Did he ever hear this stuff, or has he sent you a wee message of support or anything like that?
1: Um, I don't know if he's heard it or not. Um, you know, I I'm a a huge King Diamond fan. I mean, I don't know anyone else that's wrote a song and put it on, put on an album, the song called King Diamond. So I think it's pretty clear (laughs) how much of a a King Diamond fan I am, but there's, you know, me, there's been a lot of, not a lot, but you know, some people that are just like, and I, so I'm I'm amused by like the boat, the singer's horrible. And it's like, every time I get a comment like that, it's, it's pretty funny, but, um, you know, what Hank and Michael didn't know when we started down this road, you know, they just liked Sean Peck for Sean's Peck's voice, and that's how they wanted it to sound, but you know i would put my king diamond impersonation up there against anybody any tribute band like anybody i mean i've got you <laughs> like i said you can go on youtube and hear uh, the titans of metal on, but so if i wanted to make the entire album sound exactly like king diamond i probably could have done it so close and no one would have even known that i wasn't King diamond, <laughs> but that was that was never the goal no uh, you, no you, know, you're well, your own when if you want me to sound like King Diamond, I could do
0: it, no problem. No, look, your own uh, performance is absolutely incredible. Look, Sean, thank you so much just for that brief interview. It's, it's really, really good to hear from you. You're an absolute bundle of energy, and uh, that really, really translates onto the album. I-, I love the pentagram and the cross. It's just, it sounds like, yeah, it- it's pretty big all right, isn't it?
1: track the vocals for that and we have the, the demo drums on it. Mark Grabowski and I uh, went to the NAM show in Los Angeles and um, you know, we were running into everybody at the Nam It was a great time and we went out and partied. And we were just, you know, cruising down Sunset Strip in Hollywood with that thing just like blasting like over and over <laughs> so loud in the car. So that'll be, that, that uh, image of, of Mark and I just like on top of the world. Um, cruising down Sunset Boulevard going to the Whiskey uh, blasting Pentagram and the Cross I mean, I'm mean, i hoping that one goes over good live because it seems like it could be a, a cool live uh, um, you know, channel-on song
0: it, it, it sure will I mean, it, one of the things that occurs to me is that um, you know good traditional straight out heavy metal is having a pretty good time at the minute i mean the the last halloween album was absolutely incredible um you know there's just so much other good metal going on at the minute and this is just the latest in a long line of you know totally incredible releases you know trends come and go metal always stays you've been there forever what do you when you cast your eye over metal in 2016 as as a guy slightly older what, what do you think
1: um, right now, you know, I'm in, um, I'm in San Diego, California, you know, and I've got like <clears throat> three step kids. And so I just went through the last, you know, 10 years of, you know, dropping them off at high school and seeing all the metal little high school kids, you know, with their little bands and then like having the kids run up the car, like, Hey, what's up? You know, being the local metal dude, talking to the, all the metal heads at these schools. It was just a cool vibe. I mean, playing a lot of all ages shows and seeing the resurgence and the the roots, the new roots that are being planted. You know, in the name of heavy metal, because there was, you know, there was a good ten year stretch where there weren't kids weren't wearing metal shirts, you know, to school like there was nothing going on. And now, I think the seeds um, of a whole new generation are, are have been planted, and the roots are so deep. But I, I, metal will, will never be beaten back like it was you know in the grunge era
0: alright everybody that was Sean Peck from Denner Sherman. And yeah, I mean, just listen to how cool that music is. I know you got to respect Merciful Fate. I know you got to respect What Went Before. But listen to how cool this is now. That's incredible heavy metal. And uh, i got to say, I love the album. I think it's better than the EP. And uh, I've been spinning it a lot. I'm Earl Grey. Thank you for your company and for this last half an hour. We'll be back in about two or three weeks with another podcast getting behind some of the great stories of heavy metal. Uh, Till then over and out enjoy the site and uh, there's a ton of cool stuff coming up this month so we've already had uh, competitions to win black sabbath tickets avatar tickets saxon tickets we've got a ton of cool new reviews i would say that uh, the album of the month this month is really worth uh, checking out as well that's like us um, on relapse that doom is just absolutely crushing it's absolutely monolithic stuff really reminds me of in Desonance and esoteric and bands like that check it out um, I also really want you to check out the Irish band Elada, I think that's how you pronounce it, E-A-L-A-D-H-A, Elada, maybe, um, they do a kind of anathema, or kind of uh, Godspeed you black emperor, kind of post-rock uh, sound, but um, it's, it's really kind of moorish and you can really kind of lose yourself in it, like Merillion and stuff like that, I really like it, so check them out, but until the next podcast, I'm Earl Grey, this is MetalIreland.com, this is the Metal Insight Podcast, over and out.